Hello and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Samuels and Birmingham City Council. The citation for this case is 2019 UKSC 28. And the case that we will be looking at this week will tell us a lot about what it means to become homeless in this country and what the relevant duties are of a local authority in this situation. At the heart of the proceedings is the appellant, Terry Ann Samuels, who had been renting a property in the West Bromwich area of Birmingham with her four children. Unfortunately, she was not able to keep up with the rent of £700 a month, so in July 2011 she was given notice to leave. Samuels then understandably turned to her local authority, and the respondents in this case, Birmingham City Council, for assistance. In legal terms, she applied to be treated as homeless under Part 7 of the Housing Act 1996. This triggered a duty on the part of Birmingham's local housing authority who, upon the satisfaction of certain conditions, must secure accommodation for a person who is found to be homeless. However, it is one of these conditions that became the subject of debate in this case as the council suggested that Samuels had become homeless intentionally. You can see why this sort of condition exists because if a millionaire all of a sudden decided they wanted to save money, and have their accommodation funded by local government, then that would hardly be fair. Samuels though was far from being a millionaire, and so in cases like this where things are much tighter and up for debate, we need to get into the specifics of what the law actually says. In particular, Article 2 of the 1996 Homelessness Suitability of Accommodation Order states that when considering whether a person could have continued to afford living at their previous place of residence, account must be taken of a range of ingoings and outgoings. On the ingoing side, that includes the range of social security benefits that a person receives, and on the outgoing side, it covers reasonable living expenses. Beyond that 1996 order, a local authority must also take into account guidance produced by the Secretary of State on the subject of homelessness. Paragraph 17.40 of the most recent code offers up some basic maths, and tells us that if a person has paid for their rent, then if the money that is left over is less than they would be entitled to receive through income support, then it is fair to say that their accommodation was not affordable. Birmingham City Council came to the conclusion that Samuels was in fact intentionally homeless because her accommodation had been affordable, and so her situation had arisen out of deliberate failure to pay rent. The council would go on to say that if Samuels had been more effective, at running her household budget, then she would have been able to continue living in her old accommodation. The mother of four vehemently disagreed with this assessment and appealed to the county court, but she was unsuccessful there, as well as later on in the Court of Appeal. As the question moved to the Supreme Court, the question was how local authorities should come to a determination regarding the affordability of accommodation. Lord Carnworth gave the lead judgment and began by noting that because so many of the aspects of the case can be worked out quite precisely, such as the cost of rent, the benefits available, and even reasonable living expenses, this decision lends itself to a more objective analysis rather than the subjective conclusions that someone like a caseworker might be more likely to draw. The next issue to be addressed was the relevance of child benefits. On the one hand, this is not specifically mentioned in the guidance via paragraph 17.40, but for the justices, the fact that this isn't specifically identified does not mean that it is irrelevant. 
After all, children are part of the same household in this equation, and so their own living expenses should be given due consideration, even if the monetary amounts of such benefits are not generally designed to go beyond subsistence levels. This is especially true when this question is placed alongside the general duty of local authorities to promote and safeguard the welfare of children under the Children Act 1989. So if we examine all of the relevant benefits available to Samuels and her children, and adopt an objective approach, what judgments did the justices actually arrive at? Well, the total reasonable expenditure that might be expected from someone in Samuel's position was found to be £1,349.33 per month, based on the welfare benefits available. Meanwhile, her actual expenditure was £1,234.99, which, in contrast to the caseworker who alleged Samuels was not budgeting her income correctly, is comfortably within the expected amount. The only logical conclusion that can be drawn from this is that the previous accommodation was in fact unaffordable for someone in Samuel's position. As a result, she was found not to have become intentionally homeless, and her appeal was allowed. For a podcaster like me, cases such as this are especially difficult to analyse because the answer is just so obvious. From a legal point of view, the relevant legislation, whether that be the Housing Act or the 1996 order that we discussed, sets out in a relatively clear fashion how these questions are to be decided. We are then faced with the local authority who want to shirk their responsibility, and subsequently have to be reminded by the courts that their legal duties are not optional. The problem is that this is becoming harder and harder for people to challenge the decisions of local authorities, especially those who are in a vulnerable position such as the homeless. That is because the legal aid agency is increasingly denying assistance in meeting the legal costs for cases like this one. In fact, Samuels was only able to secure funding once it was announced that the Supreme Court would hear her appeal. On the surface, it appears that almost all of the applications for legal aid in cases of homelessness are being approved, but a closer look at the numbers shows that the actual number of applications is way down as applicants are being deterred from applying in the first place and lawyers are being pressured into taking on cases at their own risk and then hoping that costs can be recovered later on. From a human perspective, the immediate consequence of this is that more people end up living rough on the street where before they could have been saved from that fate. Meanwhile, as local authorities such as Birmingham City Council learn about this difficulty and face cuts in their own budget, there is a much greater incentive to deny people access to services as it will save money and it is probable that the decision of the caseworker will be the final one on the matter. Hopefully this judgement from the Supreme Court will have a practical effect and do something to redress this balance. By insisting that this is an objective question with limited room for the subjective assessment of a caseworker, it makes it easier for claimants and their lawyers to come to an assessment as regards the likely prospects of success in any given proceedings. In fact, it may even lead to the avoidance of a lot of litigation, as local authorities no longer have an excuse for not knowing what the rules are and how they should be applied. That is not to say that this will solve the issue entirely, as many of the problems with how homelessness is treated in the UK are structural in nature, but this shows how legal precedents can have a substantive and beneficial effect on how decisions are made in public life. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Remember, you can check me out online, whether that's on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Marcus Cleaver, where you can find old episodes of the podcast 
as well as videos for law students, my website at uklawweekly.com, on Twitter at, at Marcus Cleaver or at uklawweekly, and on Facebook at the UK Law Weekly Facebook group. I'll be back with another case next week, but for now, bye!